Go now to DryerBuzz.com and follow at DryerBuzz on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all about the buzz. Hey, guys. It's time for the buzz at our bash. It's the weekend report at DryerBuzz. This is where we take time. And we do a second take because let me tell you, I was trying to record it somewhere else. But anyway, this is where we take time to talk about what had us um, scrolling and trolling during the week. Now, I wanted to go down my timeline, but I really got just a couple things I want to talk about. And believe it or not, I think we can capture this one, or caption this one, bullying. And because that's really what it's about. So when I... Um, I share some things on Dryer Buzz, so we always kind of start there. And let me tell you what happens when I share your post, my post, or content on Dryer Buzz. One of the reasons I, I will share it there is because there are a number of things that we have set up in an auto stream that it happens with it. First of all, when we share it on the Dryer Buzz page, and if you are not on the Dryer Buzz page, you should go and like our Dryer Buzz page. But it also ends up on uh, other social media platforms, but more particularly, it is archived in our newsletter that goes out several times a week. Now, these are people who are of an influential nature um, who sat, who really just don't have time to be out here on social media like we do. But they subscribe to Dryer Buzz because they want to get a recap, right? So we, um, when I hit that share button, no, and it goes over there. Let me tell you, go over there, follow it, check the comments and timeline. Um, but also know that it also ends up in our newsletter. And I'm all about archiving. That's why one of the reasons I, I started blogging a long time ago, because I wanted to archive some of this. We have some amazing stories. But I want to talk about uh, a couple of things as we get to the end of the week. And it made some things about pop culture, um, but mainly backlash. There was a, so much backlash this week. One thing in particular, we're going to talk about this and get this on out the way, but I'm going to talk about it because it really, this thing, um, it, it's, it's woven, it's woven in, in what, what, what was I going to say? It's woven in our DNA. It's woven in human nature and this whole thing about bullying. Okay. So. I was, um, I was scrolling and trolling and I saw, you know, started seeing all these different videos of people speaking out in response to something that happened on GMA, Good Morning America, with one of their anchors who does a report on pop culture and, you know, and everybody get their laughs on it. It's kind of like they, they kind of venture from the, the heavy news to like, hear some of the light things or whatever, you know, and she and her writers, they get together and they come up with a script and she goes, and she delivers this script of content and people were offended because she wanted to speak about your Royal Highness's uh, kid and the curriculum at his school. And part of the curriculum at his school apparently has to do with ballet or dance. I don't remember. See, this is what happens. You know, we start seeing the backlash. We don't really get the full story. And I was trying to find the full story. But today, even though I was like, oh, OK, I see that's going on. I saw where Debbie Allen, you know, and I'm like, oh, Debbie Allen's talking. Well, for those of you not like me. Uh, Debbie Allen is like everything. It's like if Debbie Allen has an opinion and she doesn't stop to give you a video on it, you're going to stop and look. Cause listen, Debbie Allen is our storyteller. Okay. We can go back to fame. I don't know. And I was trying to quanti quanti qualify who she was for every generation. Debbie Allen was, she was the sister dancing in the Michael Jordan commercial way back when, when we only had three channels on TV. Right. Remember that? OK. She was also the dance instructor on fame. She was a uh, director. Uh, she directed and gave us all those. She, she was brought in 
to bring the black girl magic to living single, which was our friend's show, which was, and I, and I hate doing that kind of reference cause we were first, but anyway, um, you know, we run around being happy about being third and I'm like, okay. But anyway, um, and, and on and on and on. And she's got several, um, productions right out on stage, like right now. And just represents very representative of the dance and the art community. She's Felicia Rashad's um, sister, who was the mom on the Cosby Show, you know, the Uxables and all that kind of stuff. I mean, she's married to Norm Nixon, you know, all of that, right? So it's like, oh, oh, she done dropped the video. What's she talking about? Let's see. Well, she was also talking about this backlash from uh, this this anchor coming at the dance community and so forth. But what, what, what you will know is what they instantly did was tied it to bullying. They said this was a form of bullying, right? When you talk about something that is important to a community and you try to downplay, it's called covering. When you, when you downplay, what is it? The least favorite trait of something like you don't want that. That shouldn't be a thing. Like men shouldn't be in ballet, right? Um, cause you know, and because it does put out there, cause there's somebody who's an egomaniac that will take that and run with it. And somebody will, somebody didn't believe you me, somebody probably didn't go to dance class that day. And they could have been, they could have been on their way on the trajectory to greatness. Right. And that's what happens in social media. We put things out there in public. You know, we just think we want to get some laughs, we want to get some likes, we want to get some follows. But then there are those who are making some serious decisions on this stuff. And and I, I'm not even going to try to keep this light for you, but I'm just saying. Um, so a lot of the arts community, a lot of very, uh, a lot of arts community came up, leaped into action, evoked an apology. So the anchor, Laura, went right back on GMA a day later or whatever uh, and apologized for making that mistake. And talking about the arts community in that way, and particularly about a dang old toddler child, a child that just went, he just started school. He's just now getting to his socialization. I mean, the boy is royalty. The young man is royalty, okay? Uh, and has a lot on his shoulders. So, you know, imagine it's like, you know, their, their country is tied to him, and you shaming him about going to ballet. <laughs> It's like, come on. Okay, well, anyway, so the dance community uh, leaped into action, evoked an apology there. But I wanted to talk about, take, I want to take that thread of bullying and, because it's woven so deeply in everything. Uh, also, I shared, immediately after that, I shared um, another one of the essays as I am going down. Because, you know, on our Leading Women podcast, we talked about the 1619 Project. And so the essays are being shared more and more. Uh, if you see it on a New York Times link and you click it and you don't have a subscription, you're going to get upset because that's not where you should go. If you need uh, access to this, you need to probably go through the Pulitzer side, the Pulitzer, uh, which is a foundation that is making much of the content available. If you don't subscribe to these services, you can go through there and get some of it. You can also go to your local newsstand and purchase uh, it in the very veritable forms that it has been published. And the 1619 Project, uh, there's a young woman. I, I don't have all the details in front of me as I'm recording this, but it started with an idea of a young woman questioning, questioning the fact that we have just arrived at 400 years after and why the narrative is or why we are suppressing the facts of this thing just to try to continue to exist as human nature. And I was getting ready to, I wrote, um, I wrote a commentary, not a commentary, but here's my thought 
as I get ready to dive into this, I'm hoping that in my own mind and the minds of the descendants, that it will cease the beliefs that we have embedded in our minds and that I think that is called American slave syndrome. Now I was getting ready to say Stockholm syndrome. I'm like, wait, we ain't from Stockholm. It's, this is American slave syndrome. We have over the course of time been trying to figure out what slave syndrome looks like. Now I think that we ought to have a semblance of slave syndrome because if you really go back to the facts and not all these lies and the history books and the retelling and the reimagining of this thing, but if you really go back to it and you think, look at the people that walked off of these slave camps, uh, i.e. I, I, I plantations, and if you look at the fact that many of our young people or many of our generation after generation that have gone to historically black colleges and universities, those colleges and universities were started almost immediately then, right? Or by people who had been slaves or by people who were immediate descendants of slaves, the slave, slavery, um, and immediately free or, or, or always, had always free, right? Because um, there's, there's so much that we, that has been suppressed in our daily talking, which is why people suffer from slave syndrome and walk around with this mentality that certain things can't be done when everything has been done. And all you need to know is who did it and how they did it and know that they left breadcrumbs for you to follow so that you can continuously do it, right? And that's where the tenacity and the resilience and surpassing the American dream. The war, the civil rights war was only launched on us simply because we did surpass the American dream in land ownership, in education, innovation. If you've ever gone to the Smithsonian, I don't mean the new African-American museum, but if you've ever gone to the Smithsonian, there's a fork in the middle of the Smithsonian where if you go to the right, it talks about American innovation. If you go to the left, it talks about the history of slavery. And you can't help but to look at the time frame and like, wait, when they got the slaves, they became innovative because they were able to see that from the tenacity and the resilience and the survival of a people that if we do what they did, even after we captured them, uh, we can have innovation in the, on this land in America, right? So when you live with that kind of mindset, you, you no longer succumb to bullying. Racism is a form of bullying. And let me tell you why it's a form of bullying. There is an ongoing study, and if you have never watched C-SPAN, and most people have never watched C-SPAN, it's a public access channel, which by now, which, let me tell you, the public don't have access to unless they subscribe to a cable, which ain't free, and most of us have done the cord cutting, saving some three to $5,000 a year by getting rid of cable, my household, right? We be like, here, here's our budget. Here's how, hey, y'all, here's how we close our budget. Just get rid of cable. That's like three to $5,000. Yeah, three to $5,000 a year, the average household just having internet and cable. And there's so many workarounds that right now, beyond cord, kidding, cord, cord cutting and cutting out entertainment, um, I, I no longer have to work as hard as I had to work to pay that bill, right? You mean I could literally like take a week off? I could, you mean I could literally like go to work at three, three weeks a month instead of four because we don't have a cable bill? I'm just saying, as a single mom, I was like, wait, I get to spend like a whole week at home with my children. I'm just saying. That's how I rationalize. That's how I rationalize stuff, right? It's like, let's just get rid of cable and you can have your mom. What do you want? You want your mom or you want cable? You know, they thought about it for a while. And they were like, well, maybe we can have you and then we can still like reimburse that expense. I'm like, okay, go ahead, reimburse that expense, but I want to be home, right? Because they would think, they thought about it. I'm serious. They thought about it. Even my mom. I was like, mom, come on now. She's like, no, nah, I want the cable. 
So I had to like go keep, keep working, right? <laughs> I'm just, it literally was that discussion going on up in here. So we're talking about three to $5,000 a year. But anyway, let me go back. So the public access channel ain't even available to the public unless you subscribe to one of these paid services. But if you watch C-SPAN, I was watching C-SPAN one year and it was a, there was a symposium on bullying and the gentleman who had written a book, you know, it was during the summer, the book festivals, and they had this symposium on this, this talk back with this author who had written this book. And this lady was taking, she was in the Q&A session, you know, let me tell y'all the C-SPAN Q&A sessions that these things are gangster, okay? She was taking him to task on his book because he was saying that the suicide rate that's attached to bullying, um, that suicide rate shouldn't be attached to bullying. That no matter how much you bully a person, it doesn't cause them, and we got to check the battery on here, uh, that no matter how much you bully a person, it doesn't cause them to commit suicide. That's what he was saying in his research, in his data, in his book. And she was like, no, because we keep having these children committing suicide. He, and he goes, well, if suicide was a result of bullying, then black people would commit suicide. And he caught himself. And everybody's looking like, what? Because I was like, what did he just say? Because he was part of a study. There's a commission study out there, research y'all, ongoing about racism and suicide rate amongst black people. Having to watch police brutality videos and, and having to, it's like for forever and a day, when we decided we weren't leaving America, they were, they were trying to figure out, well, maybe we can get this, keep this bullying going, this racism going, and it's going to affect their mental health. And let me, can I just tell y'all, not until 2019 are we even seeing a correlation to your mental health, our mental health, suicide rates, and racism. It's like, because it, cause cause it just never really was a thing. The numbers, factually, the numbers were just never there. Um, the, our deaths uh, uh, correlated to racism were hate crimes more so than suicide you like you're not gonna make me want to take myself out because you don't like me or the color of my skin or my brilliance or my innovation right that ain't gonna make me want to take myself out but lo and behold and you know if there's a study we're talking about a good five years two two to five years so over the past two to five years and you think how much these images have been amped up and these lies and falsification have been amped up coming through the media and we got now have a president uh, who who operates on a platform of racism. Then yes, you're going to have some residuals um, of this. And so they went on to try to question him about this thing. He was trying to get away from it because he really did not mean to let that out. That this is what they study uh, in order to study suicide, and this is why they 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 go deep dive into black pain, black mental health. This is why you know. Uh, Mass shooters can have mental health, but a person who killed who killed who who killed one person can't have mental health because they're like black people are superhuman. They are superheroes. They they're magic. They don't get to that level. Black people don't get to that level. This is because that I mean, and that was that used to be the facts. But also, you got to understand if they are studying that and that the outcome is the fact that black people don't get to suicide levels after bullying, then you have to know, because let me tell you, your good president Clinton, he commissioned a whole bunch of studies at HBCUs and HBCUs dived in for that check because they wanted to give some of y'all some scholarships, right? So they took that money and studied black students, black male students on these campuses um, as to what is it that keeps you resilient. And Clinton only had a surplus 
when he left office because he then took all of those resources away. Okay, well, I'm not paying for that no more. I need, a, you know, y'all, but y'all love y'allself some Clintons, okay? I'm just saying, I was on the college campus at that time, and I know about that study, and I know that a lot of colleges created a whole-ass department to, to, do, to jump in on this study because they already had the data. Because, see, this is how grants and stuff work, right? You already doing the research. You already got the data. They just want that piece of data. So you go and tell them you can give them that piece of data. Hell, there was an interview. There was a, they were talking about this just yesterday. They were talking about this just yesterday. I'm trying to think what it was I listened to where I was listening to something that said they already had the data. Uh, it was on Hidden Brain, and they were already doing the study, and somebody beat them. This is not this study, but there was a guy who is in a group, and they were doing a study, and somebody beat them in publishing their study first, and they was like, well, let's just put our study to the side and watch for the next piece of money coming down the pike. And the next piece of money came down the pike. All they had to do was go and pull a piece of data. I can't remember what it related to. It's coming to me, but... They, they were like, well, we have that data. We did a, this kind of study. We have that data. They just gave them the data. They gave them the research money, and boom, walk shaka like a boom. They were able to, you know, go and live, live the going and merry way. So right now, in, in social media, uh, thanks to everybody and how we share on social media, they don't necessarily have to go to these institutions anymore. They could just go out there and pull some of these com. They can pull your comments. They can listen to you. And see how many times this or that is referenced. And when you're talking about bullying and we're talking about how you stopped doing this because people were bullying you, you know. Um, and let me tell you where the bullying came up. Let me tell you, anybody that's out there that, that can want to get some data like me over here pulling all this data around this Popeye's chicken sandwich. Because the first thing I said, you go back, go look at my tweets. The first thing I said Wait for people to start shaming people about buying the Popeye sandwich. And that's the first thing people did. They started saying, I hope y'all vote. What the hell? Like, the voter line is, I don't know, who, who are you? The voter line is as long as the Popeye's line, right? People start saying, I hope y'all vote as much. I hope y'all support black business. Okay, well, a lot of the Popeye's locations are black-owned franchises. First of all, let me tell you, you have your corporate locations. You have your corporate, which is Popeye's corporate. And then you have your franchises. Most corporate, uh, corporate brands only concerned about the building. They are only concerned about the building. Remember the guy that stole the McDonald's? Remember that movie? Go watch that movie over there on Netflix called Founders. Remember, he went to go and help the McDonald's increase their productivity so that they could sell more shakes, so that he could sell them more shake machines. And he was like, these men don't know what they're doing. They don't know what business really is. It ain't about no burger. It's about how many of these buildings you can lease to somebody else that wants to sell burgers. Right? And he took their whole, their whole company. Okay? All right? I'm just saying. You think Popeyes is worried about you buying yourself? Remember when Pat y'all jumped out there, Patty LaBelle? Her, Patty LaBelle didn't care about you going. First of all, Patty LaBelle didn't even market the pie to you. She was like, y'all know, y'all probably made, they was in a room, and they were like, Patty LaBelle, who's going to buy the pie? Let me tell you, Patty LaBelle was like, look, don't go trying to sell my pies to no black women, because they're going to be like, they can make a better pie all day, every day, right? Don't, don't try to sell, you need to sell this pie to the man that ain't been to his mama's house or his grandma's house in a long time. That's who's going to buy the pie. Who jumped out there singing, Patty? Okay, the man that ain't been home in a while. Okay, he was like, oh, this is this some good sweet potato pie. Everybody else was like, oh, I don't know about that. Right? 
He went out there and made that viral video because he ain't been home in a while. He could go to any Walmart because he travels and get himself a patty pie. He went like, I'm going to get a patty pie because I can't get mama's pie and I can't get grandma's pie. Right. And he made that patty pie go viral. Patty didn't care about y'all going to buy no pie. Patty had already sold the pie. She sold a recipe. She sold a trade secret and said they could put her name on the box. However pie, many pies you buy, bought, Patty had already had her check. She would already got her money gone. For, before y'all bought a pie, did y'all know that Patty had spent three to five years going around from trade show to trade show trying to sell or selling, introducing the line of her, uh, her products to buyers, right? I'm just saying. I had, I had a Patty Pop jar of marinade. I forgot to even use it. I had to throw it out. I said, like, man, I need to keep this forever and ever, right? I'm mean, next time I see Patty, I'm going to get Patty to sign this. It doesn't expire. I can't cook with it. I'm going to get Patty to sign this, though, right? Patty, Patty had all this, had a whole diabetic line of foods and all this kind of stuff. You know, the pie just jumped off, right? So the thing about it is it's trying to get us, and I know. See, the American slave syndrome will have us just dealing with stuff on the surface. But because we are innovative and brilliant, we want to do a little bit of deep dive. In this, so going back to it, first of all, Popeye's leases, Popeye like McDonald's, they just lease build into franchisees. Most of those franchisees are black owned. In fact, 24, uh, probably 24 or more of the Popeye's locations in and around Atlanta are owned by Hank Aaron's restaurant group. Okay, Hank Aaron, uh, was the uh baseball player that hit 755, broke Babe Ruth's record, right? Um, uh, and is much celebrated over at SunTrust Park. Even though baseball gave him hell trying to play baseball, they pay amazing homage, not only to Hank Aaron, but if you have not taken a tour of the baseball parks around the country, particularly here in Atlanta, honey, they got a whole, all the way down third baseline, they have an area dedicated to Hank Aaron and uh, other players. If you go and take the tour, you go into other, they got Hank Aaron, they have a whole, um, Sweet, huge, uh, they call it the Hank Aaron's, what, backyard. It's a, it's a dynamic suite you get to sit in, a great view along the third baseline where you get to enjoy the game. They've got, they got other parts known to Hank Aaron. And if you take the tour, they have other black players that they pay homage to. And every time I go on the tour, they look too great because I go on and I like to live stream the tour. And the tour guide, while she's talking to all the people who don't know their history, and you look at me, I'm like, I ain't saying that. I was like, go ahead, go ahead, pay him. I know I, I'm down. I ain't saying that. Because I, I know, because I grew up, uh, I grew up in Atlanta, and my parents were baseball lovers. My mother helped deliver babies, because, uh, you know, these baseball players back in the day, you know, they had to have the black nurses, and, the, you know, it's, 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 history is a thing, y'all. I'm just saying. So I grew up loving baseball because knowing the baseball uh, just love, just had, I had a, had a end to the baseball thing. Anyway, so let's go beyond that. So bullying, back to bullying, and people trying to just simply buy a sandwich because they're trying to fit in. They're trying to fit in. Like all their friends are doing it. Everybody's doing the influencers saying, "Go get it. Go try the sandwich." You know. And uh, somebody has a friend of mine, which uh, like I couldn't unfollow him. I was like, let me go on and have a conversation with him because he was saying, "Listen, make sure Popeyes are writing that scholarship check." Uh, first of all, you need to know. That both Chick-fil-A and, and, and from an Atlanta perspective, ain't nobody up in here about to diss Chick-fil-A for nothing. Because Chick-fil-A is writing that check. In fact, Chick-fil-A has a football game coming up, right? 
uh, Chick-fil-A is a lot of people out there at the HBCUs on that Chick-fil-A scholarship. Um, Chick-fil-A is getting ready to do the whole gentrification of the West Side. But th- that the part of gentrification that keeps those who live in the community, living in the community, they have a whole resource center. They, they have a meeting that takes place twice a month where they asking people, what do you want in your community? They write checks. But also know that during uh, in it, right after Katrina, uh, families that lost their businesses, Popeyes gave them uh, franchises to help get their families back on their See, the thing about it is when you spend your money, you ought to want to know this stuff, right? And let me tell you this about don't bankrupt your community. If you don't have a Popeyes in your community or a Chick-fil-A, please don't go to somebody else's community and get it. Go to that, go in your neighborhood and say, listen, y'all got a, chick, y'all got a chicken sandwich. I'm coming to y'all to get a chicken sandwich. I want to thank you for uh, being in my community, okay? Now, just so happens I could walk to Chick-fil-A, I could walk to uh, Popeye's, you know, they're like right there. And, I, and I'm mad because I can't drive because there's traffic out there trying to go get all these chicken sandwiches. That's me across the street over there like, don't bring that mess over here. Yeah, we got we got a damn fine chicken sandwich. Don't bring that. That's me like, that's me ain't tweeting. They ain't saying nothing. They don't want that hot mess up in there, y'all. Uh-uh. And they got a new chicken sandwich, y'all. They got a, what is it, Zensations? They got a new chicken salad. They got a new chicken. They like, driver, shut up. Uh, just shut up, okay? I might even go over there and get me, because Patty Betty, let me tell you, Patty Betty eats a whole lot of Zaxby's, y'all. I'd be like, I'd be like, Patty Betty, I'm, I'm to bring you some lunch. You want Zaxby's? Patty Betty, I'm going to stop and get dinner. Zaxby's. I'm like, dang, girl, think, can you think of something else? Right? I had to force a Popeye sandwich on her. Y'all saw me. We did it live. Petty Baby was like, I came on with three chicken sandwiches, two classics and a spicy. The spicy is still in there because can't nobody eat it, okay? Because we don't have that kind of tolerance around here. It's still a spicy sandwich in there, right? We think we thought maybe the carnivore would stop by and she likes spicy food, but we can really go to a wedding so she ain't going to eat that either at 26 into this. I'm just saying. Um, how on earth... The only way the American slave syndrome, because y'all are out there trying to tell people they got slave syndrome going to buy this stuff, because black people get caught up. Let me, can I just tell y'all, everybody's caught up on Popeye's. In fact, the first people that I saw talk about a Popeye's sandwich wasn't even black. The first challenge I saw wasn't even, wasn't even, wasn't even black. Okay. We just have that American slave syndrome where we think we're the only ones doing all this stuff. In fact, I thought I was about to be the first black person to do it because it's like all these other people that I see in media were doing it. I'm like, you know, hey, I don't know. I was like, why do we do that? It's called the American Slave Syndrome. And it is, it is defined in the 1619 Project that is out there. And one of the things about the 1619 Project, and I've started reading this essay that was posted today because they're, they're putting more and more out there. And in the first line of that, when I, and I'm not going to tell you what the first line of this essay said, um, because what I'm going to tell you, what, the first line of the essay talked about when, in this, it said, you were child rapists. And it's talking about those that enslaved people. Um, and I was like, wow, they went deep real fast. Because one of the things that we have done in, in, in trying to suppress what happened during slavery is, is to suppress the rapes that went on. We try to apply, we try to apply a morality to these captors, okay, as if they were not out there raping those children. And you know they were because today in the cases of Epstein, in the cases of Cosby, in the cases of R. Kelly, and, and I know they, you know, 
Let me just say they were privileged, right? In the cases of Trump, in the cases of Clinton, everybody loves to say this thing called this word called underage women. There's no such thing as underage women. Those are children. That's somebody's child, right? Un- what, what, what is an underage woman? Sit with that for a minute, right? So if you think that somebody who had such control over human beings would wait until a human being was a particular of a particular age, when when you you what do you think this thing within a human to want to go out there today after a Super Bowl and purchase a child for their own pleasure? Where do you think that comes from? That's in that is in DNA. Okay, and what gets transferred by by generation by generation by generation? DNA. It keeps going and going and going. I don't care if you dilute it, dilute it. It's still in there, right? So when the guy who whose team won the Super Bowl gets caught up in a sex team, when a cop gets caught up in his own precinct sex team, when a judge or, you know, and all these things, when they get caught up in these things, it's like, come on, y'all. What did I say on that thing? I want I'm, my hope of learning about 1619, which is basically bringing back the truth in what slavery in America was as it is parallel with a global enslavement of people, not just black, but the global enslavement of people, what that really is. And if you don't want to know what that really is, that's fine. But you kind of want to know so that you don't repeat it because people who don't want the facts, people who don't want to know end up repeating these things. That's why we continuously having to deal with it. That's why all eyes are on America because we broke out of it. We surpassed it. We surpassed the American dream so much to the point of war was absolutely launched on our, our, our grandparents because they surpassed, because they, they came out of, they came out of uh, 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 existence of their grandparents and surpassed what people thought was the American dream. And therefore, another war, which is called the Civil Rights Movement. I don't know why it's not called Civil Rights War. It was Civil Rights War because there were fatalities. Um, and then every generation... Is supposed to go forward, but you're not going to be able to go forward if you don't know what actually happened. So go out there and check it out on this uh, 1619 project. If you see a New York Times link, and I shared a New York Times link, uh, New York Times is a subscription base. It now has a paywall. They have gone back to being a paid newspaper. So if you click that link, you're gonna get a little bit of frust- gonna get a little frustrated if you let you subscribe. Right now they are, I mean, you can subscribe for like a dollar a week, and that's good. I I have it on Audible, which is the audio version of the newspaper. Like somebody they publish newspaper, somebody literally reads it, right? Because I used to listen to it on the way in my morning commute, and I gotta check it. But um, it's, I'm sure it's at your library. Pulitzer uh, has some content on their site, which they are providing as part of their foundation. So they are reimbursing the expense of it for those who need to get beyond the expense of it. You can check it out there, but it started with just an idea. One person, one young lady who questioned what was being taught to her and she it stuck with her to the point that she became an adult and she was like, I want to work on this. Uh, she pitched it and got the attention of it. And they said, well, it's a good thing. Work on it here. We're going to put, we're going to give you all these resources 
um, to bring this to fruition. And it's now out. You're hearing a lot of people talk about it. Uh, our leading women podcast this week and particularly next week was about it and will be about it as well. But it comes back to bullying. It comes back to bullying. And what I, what I love about us having social media is it becomes a mirror because we get to see how we bully ourselves, right? How many of your friends, you, you on there trying to go get your Popeye sandwich and, and then your friends, you see all these comments, they calling you all kind of names and talking about, you know, you don't make good decisions because they talking about you because they're your friends. They're your friends. I mean, I was like, I'm just going to unfollow because if they talking about people supporting Popeye's, that's how they're going to talk about people supporting you. They ain't going to be happy for you. I mean, really, seriously, they're not going to be happy for you. Cause I mean, I talk to, I talk to entrepreneurs all the time, and that's the first thing they come to the table with. They don't want to put this on social media because their friends not their friends not gonna like it. Their friends not gonna be happy. They're gonna have to deal with this and face it. They don't want to tell their family they're doing something good because they like, who lives like that? Who does that? It's bullying. It's bullying. And going back, did I talk about the the, the suicide rates right now? You know. Uh, this gun violence, you keep seeing this stuff come about the gun violence, but do you know that in America and the UK, buzz it a bastard now, in America and the UK, uh, the number one issue of gun violence that they don't talk about is suicide. People turn, people turn weapons on themselves. Remember in the Denzel movie, and I used to use this little clip when I did radio where, from the great debaters, where he was talking about your weapons or words. Um, I love that I was in a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine. Uh, actually, on my one of the lives I did yesterday, we were talking about the whole Popeye thing. And he was like, people weaponize everything. And I said, there are a lot of things out there being weaponized, but we pick up those weapons and we turn them against ourselves. If our, if we, if our, words, if our weapons are words, we're using those words against ourselves. From 1619 to now, from even prior, before that, we're using those weapons that we shouldn't even have in our community. We shouldn't even have in our household, you know, protect yourself. But I'm talking about words wise. We should have those in our thoughts and our minds and our vocabularies because too oftentimes we use them against ourselves. Look at that person on your timeline that want to now parallel you buying a chicken sandwich to you voting. Look at that person on your time. Like what, what are they really contributing? Is it really a thought process? Now, if you didn't vote, then they know who you are, okay? I'm just saying. I'm like, but if you voted and you've got that kind of friendship, you know, then you need to question them. Like, why do you know people that don't vote, right? I mean, that's how I look. I'm a flipper. I flip stuff, okay? If on your timeline you're seeing a bunch of people buying chicken sandwiches that don't vote, who, who do you know? Like, I don't know anybody that didn't. Go to vote. Now, I might know some people that voted but didn't really know who the candidates were because they don't go to all the community meetings. Remember I was talking about watching C-SPAN? You know, uh, let me tell you about Popeye's existing in your community. Popeye's can't be in your community unless they went to the community meeting. They have to go to the community. Every business that opens in your community, every business, every Right. You can't just go, you know, and, and put up that structure prior to that, probably about a year or two prior to that. If it take that long, they have to go to uh, the business development committee. Right. All these different committees and they have to work their way through these committees and make sure that one, the structure that they are either going to build or going to lease. Right. Because most of the most of the businesses in our community are only leasing those buildings for 10 to 50 years. 
Some of them go all in for a hundred, right? Um, land is usually leased. The land that they're on has usually been leased for a hundred years, right? Meaning that there's a family still holding on to that land. Cause I can, I can come bulldoze you off my land, right? That's what people say. Don't sell your land by making no more of it, right? So land usually goes into a foundation or an escrow or whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, I don't know the real estate part of it. But if a person has land and that land is then zoned commercial, that person doesn't sell their land. You, you, you see the signs, you ride by what it says for lease, right? You lease the land for 50 to 100 years. Somebody then who is, who is into uh, development, they will come and build the structure. Usually it's a mall or a plaza or a strip mall or a standalone or out parcel and all that kind of stuff, right? And they then build the structure. But before they even build the structure, they then have to go to the committee and say, here's what I want to do with the land. This person owns the land. I'm going to lease the land. You can't even lease the land unless they say, we want you. Yes, you can lease the land. We want this person. Because they have to go and say what they're going to do with that land. Because you got to go get it zoned, right? And once you get it zoned, then you go and you can conduct your business on that land. Well, if you're going to conduct your business on the land, there's some taxes that got to go. What's, what's coming? The city wants to know what's coming to us, right? You go and you say, well, this is what's going to come to you guys. If y'all approve me to lease this land, this person going to be paying. They're going to operate this kind of business. They're going to be paying this kind of taxes and all that kind of stuff. Beyond the taxes, I'm going to pay and all that kind of stuff. So then they go and they say, well, what we're going to do is we're going to put uh, on this, we're going to put something that's going to become a fast food place, fast casual, fast down and sit down restaurant. And all that. They have to get all that approved. So once they get all that approved, then they can go about the business of, of leasing it. This person can go about the business of building it. They then will probably either start their operation or they will lease out the, the structure, right? They will lease out the structure through whatever uh, kind of, uh, what do you call it, corporation setup that they did, right? So most of the, McDonald's, for example, Keep in mind, remember that movie, The Founders? Remember the guy, he went and got these, the two McDonald brothers, and he was like, man, y'all are hella unproductive up in this place. Let me help y'all uh, sell more. Let me help y'all work on y'all productivity so y'all can sell more shakes. Because he wanted to sell them shake machines. That's how it started out. He's like, man, I need them to buy a shake machine. But they so unproductive. They can't even turn out the food. You know, like you sitting in that Popeye's line, you're like, damn, Popeye's didn't come up with a way to get these things out, right? So he was telling them, well, if you can make more shakes, you can buy my shake machine. But if you buy, you can get your demand up for more shakes, I can sell you the shake machine. You can sell more shakes, right? And then he was like, wait a minute, you know, why are y'all doing the burgers like this? That, you know, why aren't you selling more, right? And they were like, well, we just, we're comfortable. We just want this, you know, a little family business. And he was like, no. He said, well, sell me, lease me one, Right. And then he changed up the whole thing. And next thing you know, he's putting them out of business. He took their business. He took their business, right? And then they were like, well, we don't, we can, guess what we can sell more than we can sell burgers? You know, we can make more money just leasing out these buildings. So that's why you hear people say McDonald's is in the real estate business and not necessarily in the burger business because they, they go and they find these greatest, the greatest real estate ever corner locations with two entryways, right? And then they lease that out to somebody who's probably running a family business and they operate these different franchises, right? And they sell burgers. And then they get to a point where they ain't even trying to sell burgers 
or provide jobs. As, but that's what you want in your community. You want burgers and you want jobs. You want chicken sandwiches and you want jobs, right? And the, all, but look, look, look what has to take place years before you got that burger, years before you got that chicken sandwich. Let me tell you, before you got that chicken sandwich, and one of the reasons some locations are running out and others aren't, because when they said they wanted to make a chicken sandwich, they didn't go to that location and say, okay, here's how we make this chicken sandwich. They went to suppliers that are supplying the chicken sandwich. And the delay is in the fact that some of y'all went out there and got those good contracts to deliver the bread, deliver the mail, deliver the pickles, deliver the, the chicken, right? And, and you're going to service these locations and that location. And that's where the demand is falling. Those over here, they got suppliers that's, that's rolling with it. This one over here got a new supplier, can't meet the demand, and probably losing, losing a contract. And this one over here is about to, all that's going on around this chicken sandwich. But you know that if you are enterprising, most of the people that follow me are enterprising. So if you came across this, just talk about how good the chicken sandwich was, you in the wrong conversation. Go back over there to the comedians and, and enjoy watching them talk about the chicken, fam the chicken sandwich. We talking about our community. We talking about how we stop bankrupting our community. We talk about how we, well, here we talking about how we stop bullying each other. Yes, yeah, it's pop culture. We doing a buzzing or bashing, but I'm just saying what we buzzing or bashing it is we talking about how we bullying each other because we don't understand that all of this goes on prior to you getting that chicken sandwich and whether or not you get another one. Now, and here's another thing, buying that chicken sandwich, you know, well, no, I don't even go down, I was about to ask what percent of it that was your income versus that income, but that would be bad, that would be bullying, and I'm not going to bully you on that, right? Go get your chicken sandwich. I'm just saying, know your, know your lane. This is the kind of conversations that we have over here because there are direct results, there are implica implications that are going to happen. There, there's residual stuff that goes on with this. And yeah, you do have to make sure you're not bankrupting something else because we don't want come Monday, somebody else is not open. Because I know in my, in my neighborhood, we have seen, not because of the chicken sandwich, they probably, ooh, I gotta, I'm getting second warning. They probably should have offered the chicken sandwich. I don't know why they closed. A couple of locations, couple not, not restaurants, but a couple of other businesses um, did close, but some were open. So you, got, you do have to spread it around. For those of the people that are telling you to spread it around, you do have to spread it around. But I think it's okay to spread it around. But, um, you know, anyway. But let me also, uh, there was one, was it, I, I need to stop. But there was one other thing. Oh, on the chicken sandwich. There was a meme. We were talking about the GMA and the bullying and the haters when you make an error. Well, Bernice King made an error uh, trying to turn a meme into a movement. Bernice King uh, took, grabbed one of y'all memes out there, and I know I just did a whole movement thing too. So I probably should have shared it in, a, in another spirit, but I did. I was throwing shade. Uh, I was bullying. Okay, and I didn't make well, it, it. It was an error. When you make an error, you're gonna attract this kind of stuff. So somebody made the meme. Remember the meme somebody made of, and I gotta go because I'm I'm low on battery. But remember the meme? There was a Popeyes meme where somebody took a picture of. The uh, uh, employee looked like the, I, and, and I, I'm going to say she looked like the biscuit maker because they, they always get these uh, women coming in there making the biscuits, right? At Popeye's, right? That's the job, right? So 
She was tired, you know, it's, it looked like she's real tired and she's sitting in the back of the restaurant, you know, she's got her head down, hands, claps in her hands, you know. We know that to be a tired soul. It's the image of a tired soul. And you know how many how many Popeyes, thank God this chicken sandwich is not on that dry ass biscuit. Thank God they decided to find a nice supplier for this roll, whatever, whatever kind of bun that is. Thank God they found a supplier for that because if they had to knock out them biscuits, okay, and it might be a biscuit. I don't know. It might be a biscuit for... They don't think they do breakfast. But anyway. So somebody put some music on there. One of the gospel, good gospel songs. So Bernice King, who is the daughter of Martin Luther King, she shared it talking about uh, American workers and tired workers and this, that, and the other. So her timeline went lit like, really? You going to make this all about that? It's a legitimate conversation when you think about our restaurant industry has been trying to get an easy listen. This, I keep telling y'all, stop asking for that $15 and start asking for profit sharing. Because can you imagine if Popeye's employees had profit sharing versus trying to get a higher wage? Go ahead and work at that wage. But listen, go ahead and start fighting for profit sharing. If you work at any of these fast food restaurants, don't let them, don't let them get you caught up in that livable wage. Ain't no, ain't no certain wage to come out of there. But profit sharing, yeah, you can live off profit sharing. If your restaurant this, this week saw a 5,000% increase in, in sales, you want profit sharing. You don't want overtime because y'all know y'all don't have to work some overtime. You don't want overtime. You don't want time and a half. You don't want a raise. You want profit sharing. Take that to Congress. That's what you want because them billionaires, uh, them franchisees, yeah, they're the ones because the rent on the building ain't going up. Right. The rent on the building ain't changed. The, the franchise fee, the fee that they have to pay based on the profit. That's in the franchise fee. Some of them, some of these places have a set franchise fee, regardless of how much you make. OK, that everybody look, profit sharing. I'm telling you, you want that profit share. So but anyway, Bernice King tried to turn a meme into a movement. And she caught she caught hell from the haters. Because haters run around here looking for people making errors. And that was an error. It, it, it should have been done a whole other way. But anyway, I'm going to get ready to get out of here. Those are some of the things that had us scrolling and trolling. As we are right at 45. Right at the 45. Uh, that's the time that's timer that's usually set on a hair dryer. If you go to the pros. Hopefully y'all are getting ready like me. Head back to the pros and get your hair did. So y'all can stop losing your hairline. Going bald and all these other things that are happening. Okay, men out there getting the weeds because y'all, listen, go pro. Go back to the pros. All my salons and my barbershops, thank you. For those of y'all that turned the podcast on in your, in your shops this weekend, let me, let me yell some of this good stuff to your, your customers. I'm a, I want to shout y'all out, so please tag your salon, tag your barbershop so that we can help some of these people go pro again. It's time to go back to the pros. That is particularly one industry that we definitely lost. Talk about supporting black-owned. Uh, you that was black owned, and it's not even black owned, but talking about businesses that exist in your community. Because beyond being black owned, you need to support where you live. Support where you live. Stop bankrupting your community. If you're gonna use some of these apps and some of these services, use the apps and services that that are not going outside of your community. There are plenty of convenience apps and services that are going to stores and things like that. Right in your neighborhood. If you're going to order your groceries and, and your food and your rice and all that stuff, particularly support those that are inside where you live. Because I'm telling you, once it's gone, it's gone. And it takes another 20, 25 years 
to rebuild a, a community that has become a desert. And look at some of these communities and you know, I'm Yolanda, y'all. I'm at Dryer Buzz. We're just hanging out, having a good time. On a Saturday, Buzz of the Bastion, the weekend recap comes to you on a Saturday. In between all the podcasts and that we do, we podcast live each and every day. We tell you how to get out of bed seven days a week. On Tuesdays, we give you Living Leading Women podcast. On Wednesdays, we're live cooking. And then we give you a food podcast. And then if something is... That's something is out there that's just weird and odd. We like binge it or cringe it or buzz it or bash it. That's going to be your buzz it or bash it podcast. I just need you to do me one more favor for my phone died and I turn this into a podcast. Thank you guys. I didn't see the comments. I'm coming to the comments like right now and answer some of the things that you said because we were over here broadcasting. And so now we're coming to the comments. And uh, so follow. Listen. Also, let me tell you here. Lastly. Go to Dryer Buzz. Go to DryerBuzz.com and subscribe so you never miss a minute of the buzz. But let me tell you, do me one more favor here. Go. Go now to DryerBuzz.com and follow at DryerBuzz on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all about the buzz.